Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. Last week, we discussed what led to the fall of Silicon Valley Bank, a highly regarded commercial bank founded in 1983 to serve the needs of early-stage companies, primarily in tech and biotech. The fact, however, that a bank like this, with more than $200 billion in assets at the end of last year, could go bankrupt in less than 48 hours, will be studied for years to come. As usual, it wasn't any one thing. From an overconcentration in their depositor base that left them vulnerable to a run in the first place, loosened regulation under Trump, the fact their auditor, the San Francisco Fed under Mary Daly, was asleep at the wheel, the influence a small group of VCs, including Peter Thiel, could have, given how news is spread by tweet, in an instant and transacted in seconds over a mobile phone, or the way in which Powell raised rates as much and as fast as he did in less than a year. All of these contributed and are critical issues for virtually every regional bank, including First Republic. And yet, perhaps the most disappointing thing of all is that nobody's taking any responsibility or saying, I'm sorry, for their part. But in the case of SVB, in my opinion again, it begins and ends with a CEO and CFO who made such a horrible decision in 2021 when they invested more than half their clients' demand deposits in long-term held-to-maturity securities, which they didn't mark to market, in a misguided attempt to pick up 1% or 2% in a zero-interest-rate world. As Lee Cooperman often says, it was like picking up pennies in front of a steamroller, and depositors should never, because of mismanagement, have to worry about losing the liquid deposits they entrust to a bank. It's their money, not the bank's. And on-demand should, as it says, mean available on-demand. Speaking of First Republic, as was expected, regulators seized the bank's assets on Sunday, April 30th, through what's known as receivership, arranging a sweetheart deal with J.P. Morgan, who assumed the bank's assets with few, if any, strings attached for just over $10 billion, which they paid to the FDIC so the FDIC could avoid moral hazard, protecting depositors to avoid a run on other regional banks while allowing investors in the stock and bonds of their banks to be wiped out. Going forward, there's word that the FDIC wants to pursue some sort of targeted coverage where businesses at least get a higher limit, but that again will require an act of Congress. So we'll see. 
Today's podcast, however, is focused more on the lessons we've learned and on solutions, starting with buyer beware and know what you own. Like we said last week, the first thing is to check with your bank to see what is and isn't covered. Under the FDIC and Securities Investors Protection Corp., the cash in most banks is guaranteed up to 250000 including interest. But that's usually limited by tax ID and not, as some may think, for each account. So again, please visit their respective websites at FDIC.gov and SIPC.org to confirm. We also mentioned how most banks offer what's known as a bank sweep or deposit program that consists of a consortium of 10 or more banks, each eligible for the FDIC's $250,000 coverage. So a person's cash today can actually be protected up to $2.5 million, and with some institutions known as aggregators, more. Unfortunately, many people are unaware of this. But nevertheless, see if your bank has one and what, if any, caveats or restrictions they have. We also suggested last week that if not unlimited coverage, which would actually eliminate runs, enhance transparency, and simplify the resolution process, the FDIC should at least substantially raise the limit to, say, a million dollars. So most people, at least, are covered in full. But whether they change the limits or not, for businesses with payrolls to meet and lines of credit for things like accounts payable, it's best to assume the cost for these and other services, like wires, will rise. For anything longer than six months, especially for individuals, with the yield curve still inverted, rates on treasuries up to two years to maturity are pretty attractive, and we think are now or soon will be higher than the real rate of inflation, which is already down to about four or four and a half percent. Next, check out double and triple A rated corporate bonds, again with maturities of two years or less, and companies with large cash balances and little or no debt, or municipal bonds issued by those few states running a budget surplus. Even if they're from states that you don't live in and therefore may be subject to state income tax, the yields on these municipals can be attractive on an after-tax basis. And finally, for those who think the dollar, even though it has already fallen 10% since hitting its 20-year high last November, has further to decline, take a look at the sovereign debt of countries like Japan or the countries of the EU. Yields are lower than here, but it is possible to more than make up for that based on a favorable exchange rate. Except, as you say, you do need to convert, first going in to buy their bond in the local currency and then back when the bond matures, which is why I'm not quite as courageous as you in this regard, given all the variables that seem to affect currencies in general. It seems to me that even the experts have a hard time making that call on a consistent basis. And if you bet wrong, if the dollar strengthens relative to the euro, for example, between now and when your bond matures, you'll either have to roll it over for longer than you might have wanted or risk losing money when you convert back to dollars. Yet, as we've often said, the primary reason for buying a bond is preservation of capital. Look, it's true that some very smart people like Stan Druckenmiller, are short the dollar. He thinks, for example, that the Fed screwed up when they and Janet Yellen at Treasury thought inflation was primarily driven by supply chain issues, 
associated with the pandemic, and therefore were only transitory. He also believes the Fed has been overly aggressive with its tightening, and that they'll break something by going too far, and later this year we'll have to reverse course and start cutting because they threw us into recession. And finally, to make matters even worse, our government chose to weaponize the dollar. When we imposed sanctions on Russia and froze their foreign exchange reserves, when they invaded Ukraine. As a consequence, however, whether unexpected or not, other countries like Brazil and Saudi Arabia are now afraid we could do the same to them if they somehow upset us and are therefore scrambling to trade in anything other than the dollar when they deal with countries other than us. So while one can agree with Stan, as I do in virtually every respect, Perhaps a better way to play it is with precious metals. I actually agree with you. As we've said in a number of our podcasts, from our ninth one specifically on precious metals, to hyperinflation or foreign exchange in the U.S. dollar, we both believe gold should be part of every investor's portfolio, to some degree at least. And now that authorities have breached the anonymity of the digital wallet, that is, They've learned to take advantage of Bitcoin's blockchain technology to track down criminals like you said they would. How to buy gold has set a record in Google searches as young people finally realize what others have known for centuries, that gold and silver have value as a hedge against inflation and the devaluation of any fiat currency. And perhaps, for anyone still concerned when it comes to the banking system, They could always hold some of the gold they have in coins or physical bullion, so they have it in their possession in a safe at home, or they could buy Bitcoin and hold it offline in cold storage. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed what you heard, and if you did, you'll share it with friends and family so they can enjoy it too. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammie for the Plutonomist Podcast signing off. LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, and advisory services through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. 